Hey guys, welcome back. Let's jump into Biblical Manhood. This week we're looking at, and I hope you've covered all the ones that have been beforehand, they're all sort of building on one another, but today we're looking at uh, men as we've been called to be worshippers. Worshippers. Now there's a sense and uh, there's a big push for this today. People really want to clarify this and, and it's a, a good point to make that as Christians, everything we do is worship. You, know, you don't come into a church service and you do worship through uh, the first three songs. Then you sit down and learn and then you stand up, do one more worship song and then that's your worship done for the week. Uh, or even worse, people separate the songs up into, well, they're praise songs and they're worship songs. And so those few songs here, they're, they're the worship. There's a sense in which, and there's a, a, a call on our life that all of our life is worship. Uh, not that we're always singing hymns as we go around, but that everything we do, who we obey, how we enjoy art, food, family, sex, everything is an act of worship in some way. And that's why it's even not even true enough to just say every, everything a Christian does is worship. Everything anybody does is an act of worship. The only question is, who are you worshipping? Uh, because you were made to worship. Everybody on earth was. We're made in the image of God uh, to reflect glory back to him. And we, he has set eternity on our hearts. We are crying after. We are reaching after. We are serving. We are giving our, our life, our time, our heart, our energy, our mind to something. What is it? If we are Christians and that thing that it's that focus of worship is Jesus uh, so I want to ask you that is that is that you are you somebody who is worshiping Jesus have you repented of your sin come to him as your king laid your life down surrendered it before him uh, confessed your guilt acknowledge that he now has authority over your life you accept his death in your place so that you can now live for him and with him until you physically die but then eternally live with him in heaven uh, if that is not you, then you've got a fundamental problem. That is that your sin separates you from God. Before we talk about any application or any uh, uh, mindset or worldview of being a man, you need to get that right first of all. Have you been born again? Have you given your sin to Jesus and been made right with the Father? This is the absolutely uh, uh, highest priority that you can um, give your heart or mind to today. Consider it. Give your life to Jesus and in him be found with all the perfection, life and blessing that you need. And so for those who have come to Christ, repented of sin, we are now worshipping Jesus. Everything we do, we are doing to the glory of God, we're told in 1 Corinthians. Eating, drinking, sitting, sleeping, walking, talking, whatever it is, it's to the glory of God. But we want to talk specifically today about what that looks like in terms of actual formal worship. That is... That is primarily the, the worship service. And even let's, let's specify a bit more, the act of worship in Scripture, when, when you start really getting down to, uh, uh, to the specific uh, usage of that word in terms of uh, an act, we're talking the singing of songs to God. Singing of songs to God in worship. Now, you would be very... Uh, uh, understandable uh, to me and you would be excused if at first uh, reaction or first inclination you think of singing 
as somewhat of a feminine task or that it was not something that you naturally like to do. You don't uh, initially, uh, you know, when you get out of your uh, pajero, you get home, uh, set the lawnmower going. Uh, you don't usually compose a song of love towards your lawn. Uh, when you uh, uh, get a promotion at work, you are not automatically somebody who, who, who writes a, uh, a poetic uh, uh, uh uh, lyric and, and start singing and putting music to it. You know, that I'd, I'd forgive you if you're thinking, as we start talking about men should be singing worshippers, and that's my thesis today. If your initial response was, uh, I'm not really a poetic writer, singer type guy, uh, is this going to be a problem for me? Of course, not. And the reason so many guys sort of think that way, we talk about worshipping and men need to be worshipping in song and singing on a, in the worship service and more. A lot of guys will have that sort of reaction and go, nah, this is not really me. Because what has crept in and taken over in worship today uh, and in many evangelical churches and evangelicalism at, at, uh, at large is just a feminine, feminized, soft um, uh, version of singing songs. I mean, the lyrics, they're, they're often about, uh, you know, the one that I've been dreaming of all my life, Jesus, come and breathe in me and move around me and dance with me in the moonlight and other similar type lyrics. Uh, there's a lot of it out there that is just strange, um, not entirely biblical, but also extremely feminine. Uh, and, and, and so, because of that, uh, a lot of guys sort of get it wrong when they start thinking of, uh, they've seen what they've seen, that's all they've experienced about singing in church, and they go, I'm a dude, I actually don't like uh, to be um, lyrically stroked and uh, romanticized this way. I don't carry a bunch of flowers with me into the worship service. <clears throat> I don't fit in this sort of setting. And if you've been in that setting and you feel like you don't fit, good. It's because you're a bit more of a man than probably the people singing on stage. Um, but I want to I push back against that and rather instead of um, uh, uh, being afraid of singing, afraid of emotion, afraid of worship to the Lord, we want to replace that with a good biblical mindset of what it means to be a man who worships and feels uh, to and sings to the glory of God. Uh, the reality is, and, and um, you know, you, you even just do some historical uh, uh, overview, you're going to find that uh, singing is not, uh, is not simply a, a woman's job. I mean, <clears throat> uh, blokes in warfare, blokes in every culture have been song composers, and it's been a strong thing to do. It's been a cultural thing. Uh, uh, they've been doing that since the beginning of mankind. And, and God's people have been singing in worship as, as men and women and children together and often as men uh, in groups alone. They, they, they do this since the beginning of redemptive history. God wants his people, and today we're talking about men, he wants his men to be singers, to be worshippers. And that is going to involve, one of the things that will involve that will get us a little bit uh, irked and want us to pull back from that is it does involve emotion. A lot of guys wrongly think that emotion is feminine and emotion is unmanly. And it's true that feminine manifestations of emotion is feminine and girly displays of emotion 
are girly and we're not being asked to do that. God has made us as male and females as female. There's no wiggle room there. They're the two of them. But to the men, we display the fruits of the Spirit. We display uh, uh, personality traits. We display Christ-likeness in a slightly different way and sense and tone than women do. And that's good. That's part of what it means to be diverse, different, but still one and glorifying the uh, the triune God. So, uh, so emotion is and should be masculine. And there's a lot of guys, you know, I remember, I, I've heard this, I've read this, and, and, uh, uh, um, and the response comes that I've read. Well, first of all, guys say, I'm just not an emotional guy. I'm not a singer. I'm not a worshiper. I just sort of sit there with my arms crossed and what I was sit down during church. I mean, I'm not an emotional dude. Um, and I've read or, or seen this said that pastors sort of come with a pretty good uh, 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 response or retort to that and say, I just don't believe you when you say you're not emotional. I mean, if I'm sitting with you on a Friday night, or, or let's take something that happened quite recently, a, a uh, Saturday night, and we're uh, in a stadium watching a whole bunch of people in black or yellow jerseys running at each other, uh, the Bledisloe Cup, and your team is losing, uh, or your team scores a try, uh, you're going to display to me some pretty clear manifestations of Emotion, when you get up and you scream and you throw your beer cup in the air and you're yelling and you're going red in the face, that's emotion. It's masculine emotion, but that's emotion. So there's not room to then then turn up 12 hours later to church on a Sunday, not lift your voice at all and say, I'm just not an emotional guy. What you really mean is, I'm not passionate about Jesus as much as I'm passionate about rugby. Uh, and that's a problem. Or, or we might, uh, again, guys say, I'm just not emotional. Well, why don't you just stand there and, and uh, uh, see your response when some kid comes past and uh, scrapes a huge scratch in your favorite car that you've just buffed and you've just cleaned. What's going to rise up at that moment is emotion. God-given emotion, but emotion. Guys have it. Uh, you know, or you see your wife or one of your kids getting shoved, getting picked on at the shopping center or at school. Uh, you see that and the response that you're going to have, you bet is going to be emotional. So guys have emotion. It's good. God made you with it and he's given it to you so that you might uh, uh, exemplify, live out, display his likeness in your life. So emotion comes into singing, singing comes into worship, and that's really what we're looking at today. <clears throat> a lot of preparatory, lots of, a lot of introduction, but let me say this. Um, one of the reasons that I think a lot of men don't like the idea of being involved and passionate and intentional about worshiping Jesus through song is because a biblical way of doing that that is masculine, or just biblical, uh, Christ-like for men has not been modelled to them. Um, our generation, uh, you know, all of us alive today, I don't just mean people in their 20s and 30s like me. I mean, our generation, all those who are alive today have really missed for a while good examples of evangelical, strong men permeating the church. We are, uh, we have been through a period in the Western church where there is record low numbers of men uh in the church, it's often a, it's, it's been a, a funny quip that, that goes that, you know, Christianity is the religion of old ladies of both genders. 
think about that. Old ladies of both genders, old, old, old ladies who are really men and old ladies who are really ladies, they're really the only people who belong in church. And, and, and you know, there's, there's an element of truth to that. There were record low numbers of men in church, leading church. And so there's a record low level of masculinity. A lot of us uh, may have gone to church. Uh, a lot of you may have lived through, maybe been raised in church or got saved as an adult and come to church. And you don't see a lot of examples of what biblical masculinity looks like, praising Jesus, singing to Jesus, worshiping Jesus through song. And for that reason, you don't know what it looks like. You don't know how to then uh, 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 copy that or implement that or imitate that. Uh, and therefore, you also don't know how to pass that on to others. And so uh, it, it's um, uh, what you have seen probably is a lot of feminine, emotional, girly, uh, uh, worship and your response is either, well, I can just beat my manhood into submission and, and learn to worship in a feminine way, or I can withdraw and not worship. They're the two responses you can have. Conform to feminized worship and songs, uh, and style and atmosphere, uh, or not worship. And both are sins. You're not allowed to not worship Jesus through song. That's commanded of us, and we're going to see that. Uh, and at the same time, you're not allowed to worship Jesus like a girl. You're made as a man. He wants to hear you sing. He wants to see your heart in such a way. He wants to see you positioned and structuring your life in a way that worships Jesus as a man and models that to the kids coming after you, both boys and girls. Uh, and, and the newcomers and the new believers around you to look to you to see how do men of God worship. And so, <clears throat> uh, uh, let, let's, let's go on a little bit more. When we think of worship, I want you to uh, remember that uh, what you have maybe not seen modeled, what we hopefully will see modeled in our, in our church, you then, and we touched on this, need to model to your kids, uh, need to model to people you're discipling, need to model to your brothers and sisters. So maybe not a dad, that's all right, but especially the dads need to be modeling this to the kids, which means don't ever let it, we don't want kids who are getting raised with the mindset that it's weird to see dad sing or it's weird to see dad worshipful or passionate about Jesus. And this doesn't mean you're always, you know, going about in courses of sonnet around the house, you know, reciting old hymns, no. But what it might mean is kids got their worship songs on. They're listening at home on a Saturday. You're doing chores. You'll sing along with them. You're in the car. You're, you're blasting tunes about Jesus and you're singing along. Uh, it, it, let's, let's let them see some kind of organic, uh, you know, we're, we're not embarrassed to sing about Jesus. Uh, they're with us at church. Let's not be embarrassed about singing loudly for Jesus. We want to show them this is what men who love Jesus do because this is what he commands us to do. This is why, um, uh, actually, you know, this informs our, our practice. And this is why at Hope Church, you've probably noticed this maybe, we keep the kids in with us during uh, the worship songs and they go up just before the sermon. Um, our Sunday school starts partway through the service because we want them uh, to get a sermon that is in their language and that is understandable. We don't dumb it all down and... and uh, we, our, our amazing ministry staff here at church for the kids, they teach them justification, they teach them holiness, they teach them the word of God, but in a language they understand. 
So they get that that uh, uh, contem uh, contextualized sermon for them. But the singing, we want them in the service so that they can be looking up at their mum and dad watching how worship happens, watching what people who love Jesus do, because it's it's uh, it's not natural that they would then uh, walk into a biblical model of singing and worshiping Jesus for the boys and the girls if they're not watching it done. That's why we do that. We want your kids in with you, worshiping with you, especially with you dads. That's what they need. And it is so lacking in the world and the church today. So you're a blessing when you do that. <clears throat> so yeah, model that to the kids. And um, uh, I want to say this, that uh, a lot of... Uh, we can get in a mindset that separates spirit and body. You know, I, I don't need to roll, you know, uh, rolling on the ground is not the sign of spirituality. True. Uh, just because I've got my hands up in the air doesn't mean I'm any closer to Jesus. True. Uh, I can be worshiping Jesus like Paul, chained to the ground in a prison cell or on a mountain like Moses with my arms up in the air standing up. True. Both of those things are true. But your body language, what we can't get away from the fact is that God has joined communication uh, and body language. So that what you're saying to God and what you're saying to those around you, including your kids, does depend on some level with your body language. If I come into the worship service and while people are singing, I'm, I'm putting my head in my hands, shrugging, just sitting there, uh, I'm obviously saying something. I mean, you don't do that when you're watching the grand finals. You don't do that when they're handing you the keys for your new car. Your body language naturally uh, uh, it, uh, changes. It communicates things. And so it is when you're given a presentation at, at work, maybe, or you're um, coaching a team, whatever it is that you do, your body language communicates things. And so it is in worship. We, when, when we're told to lift our hands up, when we're told to stand and, and we raise our voice, I want you to, I'm not prescribing a, a, a way that you need to worship, but I'm asking you to open your mind and realize my body language communicates something to God. Let's be respectful and exuberant about it. And my, my body language communicates something to the, my kids and those around me. What am I telling them? Am I telling them I'm bored? And I'm telling them that this is disinteresting, irrelevant. What am I telling them? So there's that. Um, in scripture, uh, we see that worship, the singing of songs, is an act of warfare. Now, there's a lot of, I guess, ways that this uh, manifests in the non-Christian or in the, um, uh, it just in the natural realm that, that doesn't have uh, connections to Scripture so much. But there's a way that we see that uh, singing and voices is utilized in warfare. You know, you'll have war chants, you'll have war songs, you'll have loud shouts and um, all sorts of these, uh, the, the, uh, the, you know, the, the Highland um, uh, attack that, 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 that they do. You know, they scream and these Scottish dudes scream. and It's just a part of warfare throughout the, the ages, which means it's pretty masculine. But also the use of the voice is an act of, uh, can be part of the act of warfare. I want you to see that. In scripture, we see that the singing of songs, psalms and worship to God is seen as an act of of establishing God's rule, challenging the enemies, and amping up the soldiers and God's people ready for battle. Uh, there is, uh, you can remember the um, <clears throat> period, uh, that, that section, sorry, of Psalm, 
uh, of the book of Psalms. And each psalm that uh, is called the Song of Ascent, uh, those songs, those psalms that they're, they're uh, singing as the whole nation, or sometimes it was just at the holidays when just the men of age would come. But, but when hundreds of thousands of people would be coming together in congregation and walking up that hill in their tribe and in their clan and in their family, walking up the mountain pass to go to Zion, Jerusalem, and worship God for one of these holy days of the Old Testament. And these Song of Ascents of, in the book of Psalm, those are psalms that they would sing as they're going up together loudly. Can you imagine yourself walking there with them as, as everybody's singing this psalm together, lifting up their voices? This is worship. And they would arrive to the top of the mountain declaring the praises to the God who has redeemed them. And of course, those, those, those enemy, maybe slaves among them, or maybe the, the enemies on their borders to see and to witness this would, be, uh, would make them shake in their boots. You also see just after God drowns Egypt in the, or drowns the, the soldiers of Pharaoh from Egypt in the Red Sea, Moses immediately composes this, what we call the Song of Moses. He just starts singing about how God, the warrior, has come and trampled the enemy. He has flooded him and drowned him in the Red Sea. And there's this, uh, this, there's this exuberant, joyful, um, uh, glorious warfare song that he sings about God's victory. Let's think that way about worship. It's engaging in warfare for Jesus by lifting up voices of shout in rejoicing to Jesus. <clears throat> There's also an instance in Numbers 21 verse 27 where the people uh, come and they fight the Moabites and the Ammonites and they, they, uh, they, they win. They, they leave them destroyed and then they just get together and compose a song about God and they're just uh, deriding their enemies and singing the praise of God and how he just won this victory for us. And it's sort of the, the conclusion to the battle. The battle's not finished until there's singing about God's victory. And, and so with us, the, the, uh, that our singing, our worship is partaking in this warfare that we're making against our sin, against our fears, against the enemies of Christ. Uh, worship is an act of warfare. Uh, also, we see in Nehemiah 12, they, they lay um, uh, the, uh, the, 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 sorry, the wall of Jerusalem, uh, and then they dedicate it with singing and with shouting as, as this, this challenge to their enemies and this praise to God, because praising the God who has done the work for them emboldens them and uh, uh, sets up, I, I guess, as it is, spiritual wars against the enemies. I want you to see this. Worship is warfare and should be masculine coming from your hearts. Now, uh, I'll have a couple of um, uh, points here that, that worshiping as warfare for us as men, worship coming from men uh, needs to be, <clears throat> the, the reason that it can be uh, an act of warfare for Jesus is this. Number one, it sends our fears running. Since our fears run, we come into what on a Sunday morning or Sunday evening, we come in and we, we're just struggling to think how we might get through a financial crisis. We're struggling with, uh, with temptations and whether or not we're justified. We're coming in and we're struggling with maybe a health problem, a relational problem. And in those moments when we are not swept into some atmospherical romantic 
um, uh, sway, but we are reminded of glorious truths in a strong, holy God. And we lift up our voices to worship him. Those fears that we have, the situations don't change, but the, fear, the, the, the fears that we have about them, the anxieties, the, the raising of those problems up over God, they break down when we exalt God and set him up on his throne. And we are assured and we are encouraged. It also sends our an enemies. When we sing in joyful voices, we send out enemies, sometimes our worldly, fleshly enemies, sometimes our spiritual enemies of the, the dominions and uh, forces that are above us and beyond us. Sometimes our, our enemies that lurk beneath our, within our own hearts. We remind those enemies very clearly, they are not ultimate to us. They are not supreme. They are not sovereign. When we get together and we worship, we sort of look it over our shoulder, reminding our enemies, I'm worshiping one who really matters. I'll get back to you in a second, but you have not shaken this kingdom. You have not touched this king. <clears throat> so sends our fears running. It reminds our enemies they are not ultimate. It also um, uh, worship uh, gets a fire into our bones that is not easily quenched. When you come in and you sing, worship to Jesus with, with music that is fitting, with words that are true, with the church that is on fire by the Spirit, you get a confidence that is uh, uh, instilling of, 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 of assurance and fire in your bones that does not easily wear out during the week. Maybe, maybe you feel that. You, you go, by Monday or Tuesday, you're really dreary and, and, and weak in your soul and, and, and discouraged. And you come Sunday and you sit through worship and you just sort of mull along with it. And back you are, Monday, Tuesday, you're discouraged again. I, I challenge you to come and be intentionally joyful and, and I'm, uh, not, not, not a false facade of happiness, but I mean intentional and active in worship to Jesus. And you will find a confidence coming about you, given to you by the Spirit that comes in the worship of God. <clears throat> I would also say that uh, when we do this, we create camaraderie and fellowship among the brothers and sisters in church. So let me read for you Colossians chapter 3. <clears throat> in Colossians chapter 3, Paul says this in verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your hearts to God. Now, what's very interesting here is that it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, and it ties that to the singing of psalms, hymns and spiritual songs. He's saying, admonish one another, teach one another as you sing these songs. That They are maybe not exclusively uh, uh, connected, as if that's the only way you admonish and teach one another. But when the Word of God dwells in you richly, uh, you are able to sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs in a way that, that we are exhorting one another. Brother, come and believe this truth. Friend, leave your sin behind. Let's worship God together. There is arm in arm, shields locked together, uh, uh, sense and theme going on here as we look at biblical worship. It also, uh, we're told in 1 Timothy 2 that Paul wants men to raise up holy hands in prayer. 
When you have an intentional mindset about worship that is not just passive, you're going to go listen to a song. But I'm going to come into the courts with praise. I'm going to come in leading my family with shouts of joy. I'm going to come in worshiping as a man in warfare. What it puts on us is a, is, is a demand for a clean conscience. I need to make sure I'm coming forward with a clean conscience. I've been confessing my sin and repenting of sin. I've been changing. I've been walking in holiness. It's also going to empower and encourage a clean conscience and pure living in the week to come. When we have as the high point of our week, the singing of songs to our God in glorious vocal song worship. <clears throat> so what's the applications here? It's super simple. Ah, this has been a lot of just changing how you think about worship. Uh, and so what's the applications? Friends, get to church twice a Sunday, bring your singing voices, let your kids, let your wife uh, see you holding hands, lifting up your hands, having a body structure, you know, whatever it's going to be for you, having a body language that says, I'm here intentionally, I love worshiping Jesus, being confident in using whatever rackety voice God gave you to lift up praises to him uh, and, uh, and, and letting that be natural in a way that God has made you, in a way that your kids can see and follow after you. So that as we lift up our hands, we are bringing heaven down to earth as we praise Jesus. I'll just end here with a quote from Doug Wilson who, who uh, wrote, on, um, uh, wrote around these themes. And he said, We have a battering ram of which the Gentile nations of this world know nothing about. And each Sunday we take a swing at the gates of hell. That's our worship. Jesus said, he'll build his church. The gates of hell won't stand against it. We will break them to break them apart. Friends, like the walls of Jericho, those gates come crumbling down as we are people who lift up our voices to God with shouts of joy and acclamation. We take a swing with that battering ram and we beat down those gates. There's nothing magical about it here, but I'm, I'm calling you to worship uh, in, in ways that are masculine and strong, but still emotional and true to who God has made you. Guys, God bless. Hope you have a great week and, uh, and I look forward to seeing you on Sunday. See you later.